Yo, what's going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Get The Shot podcast. My name is Billy Quatch, and I am the creative director at Let It Fly Media. And this podcast is for all you aspiring creatives trying to get your shot at working in the sports creative industry. Today, we have a good friend on the show, Kevin Edwards. He's currently with the Miami Dolphins, but he was an NFL LCC and a student creator at Stanford. We're also going to be answering questions straight from you, the audience. So shout out to everybody that called in and asked questions. But hey, other than that, let's get this thing started. Let's run it. All right. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Today, we have a very special guest on the line. Kevin, how are you doing today, Kevin? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on. Very excited. Yeah. Appreciate you being on the show. Um, We met when you were at LCC, but now you're with the Miami Dolphins. Um, explain to us what your job title is at the Dolphins and what kind of your responsibilities entail. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll start by saying I feel horrifically underqualified to be on this podcast, but I really appreciate it. It means a lot coming from someone whose work I admire a lot of people admire. So thank you. Um, I am a videographer editor with the Miami Dolphins. So, um, as the name implies, I shoot and edit. Um, and then we're making stuff for social, for broadcast, for even podcasts like this. Um, all for the Dolphins. Um, and we work every single project, we work alongside a producer. So it's a producer and videographer editor for every single project. Um, and obviously we do the Dolphins first and foremost, but we also do Formula One. We do the Miami Open. We do stuff for the stadium itself. Um, we, do, we do a whole bunch of stuff, which I think is really cool. Nice. And um, kind of explain uh, for those who may not know kind of your journey on how you got to this point in your career. Like what were you doing? maybe in college or after college to put yourself in this position? Yeah. So I, I started, um, I started editing videos on Vine, um, back when that was a thing, uh, cause I never picked up a camera before and I love sports. And then the video side of it kind of really interested me. So I would, you know, download stuff from YouTube and kind of clip it up and they weren't anything special, but it really taught me. I really like this field. Um, and something I'm interested in, uh, and I was a Stanford fan at the time. So I'd make videos of Stanford players and one of them retweeted it. Stanford saw it. So I was going to be going there. I was going to be a freshman there and they reached out and saw if I wanted to, to work with them. So of course I accepted, I was already going to reach out to them and I was really, really thankful for it, but I'd never held a camera before. So, uh, my first ever boss there, her name is Angela Robledo. She basically taught me everything from scratch. Uh, I, I definitely remember I had focus peaking on the first event I ever worked. And I told him I broke it because like everything was coming out with like a red, yellow outline. Uh, so I was really, really, really fresh and green and had a lot of learning to do. Um, but I worked with Stanford. I, I was a videographer for them and I would cover a lot of their events. I would edit stuff for social. And about the end of my sophomore year, I want to say I saw the job listing for the LCC position. I applied there, you know, it was between Oakland when they were still in Oakland at the time in San Francisco. And I was lucky enough to get to work with the San Francisco team. So I did that for two years. I was an LCC like you, uh, like Diego, like so many others. And that's how I met you. Obviously you're incredible, probably, you know, one of the best LCCs, if not the best You're incredible. So looked up to you a lot, but uh, yeah, so I'd work Niners games uh, and it it was a lot of fun. Um, I, and then after that, my, my senior year, you know, they kind of brought me on and it, it wasn't anything official, but more of like a full-time role. Um, it, it ended up being, you know, close to 40 hours a week, depending on the week during the season. And I essentially worked as a video art for editor for the Niners. And then this, this year, obviously, uh, my boss that I mentioned earlier, Angela worked for the dolphins. She left and she had mentioned there's a position open. I applied and was fortunate enough to get it. So definitely been a dream come true. 
Um, definitely been a whirlwind, but I've loved every second. Nice. That's, that's awesome to hear. Um, and crazy that you started on Vine and all it took was a player to retweet it for, you know, things to start. Um, all right. So now that you're in the NFL, you're at, you know, you're, you started pretty recently, right? At Miami just a couple months ago. Yeah. So I worked for them remotely for a little bit while I was graduating. And then I just moved down here right after I graduated. So it's been about two months. Yeah. Um, you haven't been there long, but what's kind of, what's kind of stood out to you now that you're in it full time? Like what's the difference between working as a student versus now you're done with college and, um, content creations, a full-time gig? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a lot less homework, which is nice. That's maybe the most obvious answer. Um, it's been really, really cool to just like be fully immersed in kind of a corporate culture. Um, obviously there is a lot of, you know, red tape and stuff like that that goes with it. And, you know, you're going to have to work with a lot of departments, but it's definitely a positive. I've gotten to work with so many talented people. Um, I kind of went in with like the expression of mind that like, if you're in the smartest or most talented person in a room, you're in the wrong room. And I can say pretty confidently that I'm the least talented person in that room, which you know, maybe at the beginning of my journey really would have bothered me. Uh, I would have, you know, felt pretty bad about my skills and whatnot, but I, I really, really love it. I've learned so much from working with these people and just getting to pick their brain about everything from lighting to shooting to editing. Um, so, and even people outside of my department, I've gotten to work with the photography team, uh, the graphic design team, marketing and get like their insights. So kind of like that synchronicity within uh, a whole company has been really, really cool to experience because I was kind of more siloed when I was a student worker. Definitely a lot more people to interact with when you're at a, at a company versus uh, being a student or like freelancing. So um, yeah, so let's honestly, let's go straight into the Q and A's because I think we have a good amount of people who want to talk to you. Um, so we're just going to get this started. Uh, first up is going to be Steven. Yo, what's going on, Steven? Hi, how's it going? Doing good. Um, I've got Kevin on the line with me. He's a editor and shooter for the Miami Dolphins. Um, thank you for your interest in joining the podcast. Um, just start off with an intro of who you are and kind of where you're at, just so we get better context on how to answer your questions. And then you can go ahead and ask your first question after that. Yeah, so uh, I'm actually familiar with Kevin. I've reached out to him on a couple of occasions. Um, so Kevin, it's great getting to talk to you again. Um, as far as me, I am a, I'm going to be a junior at the university of Nebraska now studying broadcasting and sports media communication. Um, and I've just got a, a big interest in the creative side of sports, um, whether that be video, photo, whatnot. Um, so that's pretty much it about myself. Okay. So my question was just, um, what is like one specific skill that makes someone uh, like the most employable or like really stand out to an employer? Um, all right. One most, one skill that makes you stand out and be employable. Um, I would probably say the ability to adapt and kind of, you know, no matter what situation comes up, you're going to say, yes, I'm going to try to figure it out. Even if you're not knowledgeable of the challenges ahead of you, like you're just going to give it your all and not be afraid to take on the challenge. Um, as an intern at the chiefs, we had plenty of, you know, micro situations where you had to do stuff that 
you've never done before that I've never done before. And I just, you know, said yes to everything, even if I wasn't like a, a thousand percent confident in being able to do it. Um, you know, and it's, it's kind of hard to show that as an application, but it's, if you, if there's a way for you to bring that up when you're being interviewed or, um, just explain to you that, or just explain to whoever's interview that that's kind of your mindset. I think that's, um, super helpful. Yeah. Awesome. That's very helpful. All right. That's a good answer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I would definitely echo what Billy said. Um, and also it's good to see you, Steven. Uh, well to hear you, um, I hope you're doing well. Um, yeah, I would, I would echo what Billy said. And I would also say, um, I know you asked for one, I'll give two. One that comes to mind for me is being well-rounded in your skill set. I think a lot of people really, really focus on one thing. Like I'm really good at long form storytelling. I'm really good at short, quick hitters on social. I'm really good at more broadcast style. And what I'm discovering more and more is that there's very little jobs. You're only going to have to do one thing. And whether it's equipment management, uh, shooting, editing, all that, uh, being well-rounded in your skill set, as in every field, but particularly in this field, I think is really important. And just being like a good person, a good team player. There's going to be uh, hundreds of applicants for every single position. A lot of them are going to be qualified. And what can really separate you uh, is, is if people know you're a good team player, you're a good person. Um, they know you're going to do everything you need to do. You're going to be there for your teammates. You're going to be committed, hardworking, and just a pleasure to work with. Um, I think that's really, really, once again, something that applies to every field, but particularly our field. And I think people kind of underrate it a little bit. Yeah, that's a very helpful answer. And I, I definitely echo both those. Um, like you said, and then I guess my, or can I go on to the next question? Yeah, for sure. Ask as many questions as you want. Um, I'll turn on my camera. Sorry. I was driving. I was in no, traffic. No, so that's why I camera on. Um, but my next question is obviously like video editing is so dense. So like, where did you kind of just start out in learning the tips and tricks to whatever software uh, you, it is that you use? Um, mine was definitely kind of a combo stuff. Like part of it, honestly, is just, uh, best teacher's experience. And I'm still learning. I mean, I'm sure Billy would echo this and everyone would echo this. I'm still learning stuff about after effects and premiere to this day. Um, and I don't think I'll ever fully understand like everything that after effects has it. Like you said, it's such a dense platform. Um, picking the, the brain of your peers, obviously is a big one. You, you know, in Nebraska, you're trying to invite very talented people, uh, and, you know, just getting to learn from them, even if it's just sitting down with them while they're editing. I definitely have done that a lot from Stanford to the Niners to here. Um, part of it, like I said, is experience, just editing, trying stuff out. Um, and then the last thing I would say is YouTube University is definitely a real thing. Um, you don't even need to know where you're starting necessarily. Just dive in and uh, you'll find skills and tools that you didn't even really know that you needed. But once you see it, you know that you need it. So definitely a combo of all those three is what I would say. Yeah. And I think for me, um, when I was first starting out, it was just, you know, picking up, picking up a YouTube tutorial, following it through and then repeating that YouTube tutorial the next day. And then just keep trying to memorize all the steps that the tutorial is teaching you until you don't need the tutorial anymore. And so once, you know, you finish that tutorial, you go on to the next one and, and then the next one and then the next one. And then it's eventually you build up you know, 10 tutorials worth of steps that you've memorized and you start to figure out, okay, what if I take 
steps one, two, and three of this tutorial and combine it with steps eight, nine, and 10 of this tutorial um, and kind of start, you know, being able to do your own thing and try to come up with ideas instead of following the ideas from a YouTube tutorial. Um, I think that's a solid strategy because that's um, how I picked up the After Effects and Premiere. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, and then I guess my final question just kind kind of goes off that, but how do you find like your own personal style or like what's the process that goes into that? Uh, that that's a really good question. Um, I think for me, I'm basically just creating every day and trying to figure out, okay, what do I like and what I don't like? Because um, if you only make a video once a month or once you know, every couple of weeks, it's hard to like, it's kind of see, you know, what your style is or experiment with different styles or whatever. But if you're making stuff every single day, um, or multiple things a day, like you eventually narrow down and narrow in on, okay, I really like it when I see this versus I really don't like it when I see that. Um, and then, you know, the things you do like you repeat it and you get better at, over time and then the things you don't like you kind of just forget about it and you know try not to do that as much um, that's kind of how I feel like my style came came into its form or its shape or whatever um, definitely noticed it you know starting to form after my first year at the Chiefs because I had to create a lot of content every single day working at the Chiefs um, and that kind of just pushed me to you know, figure out what I did like and what I didn't like um, until now. Then once I left the Chiefs, you know, I had a pretty f solid base of, um, you know, kind of my style. And I think that's where it, it started to like really take its shape uh, for me, Kevin. Yeah. Uh, I, like Billy said, the reps, like you're just going to, you're just going to find it once you do so many reps, I would say cast a wide net for inspiration. I definitely like, I could give you a gigantic list of sports creators I've taken inspiration from. I mean, I can't tell you how many Billy videos I have saved on the notes app right now. Um, but even like wider than that, which is something that my bosses have really taught me. Um, there was a travel video on a safari in Africa it has nothing to do with sports. There was a lot of really, really cool elements of that. Uh, last chance you obviously is sports related, but even documentaries that have nothing to do with sports, music videos, anything. And if you cast a wide enough net, you'll obviously you don't want to duplicate. You never want to copy or imitate, um, but you can definitely draw elements of inspiration um, and just casting such a wide net. You're going to find stuff that you really, really like aesthetically and that you're also strong at editing wise, um, whether it's coloring, sound design, all that. So between that inspiration and finding your own strengths through the reps, I think you'll really, really develop um, your, your own sort of style. Awesome. Thank you. That was, that's very helpful. Um, that's all I have for right now, but I really appreciate you guys taking the time to do this. Yeah, for sure. Steven, thank you for calling in and thank you for asking those questions. Yeah, no problem. Thank you very much. All right. Appreciate Steven. it. See ya. All right. Pretty solid questions from Steven. Um, so he said he's talked to you before. Has he, has he like just hit up your DMs and ask you questions? Yeah. Yeah. Really, really great guy. Can't say enough good things. Uh, like he said, he's at Nebraska. Um, so a lot of cool opportunities there. I think Gino just went there. So they got a really, they obviously have always had a really good staff. Um, but yeah, just a couple questions here and there. Um, and yeah, I can't 
I can't count. I, I've DM'd you questions. I've DM'd somebody, and I like can't speak enough to how important it is to just ask questions. Like most people are approachable. Most people are um, really, really awesome to work with. Um, there's a lot of good people in the field. So, yeah. Yeah. And like, um, you know, let's speak more on like trying to network and trying to ask people questions. Like what, I guess, advice or tips do you have for those who might be scared to like, you know, send someone a DM or send someone a message on social, like what's kind of, what, what push would you have for those people to try to get more, um, knowledge? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I definitely think there's a right and wrong way to do it. So, uh, I think it's usually pretty transparent if you're doing it in a self-serving way. Um, you know, just messaging someone, this should be obvious, but just messaging someone out of the blue, Hey, do you have a job for me? Probably not the best way to go about it. Um, but if you're genuinely, I've done this a lot. Uh, I've done it with you. Like I said, if you're genuinely like, I think this part of your video was incredible. I'm not attempting to duplicate or anything, but I'm just so inspired by it and the technical skills you possess. How on earth did you do this? Um, and obviously you're going to find very rare examples of people who are secretive for whatever reason or uh, abrasive, but you know, I think you can confirm this for the most part. People are really, really nice in this field and really, really willing to help. So um, I think as long as you're approaching it the right way and just genuinely trying to um, tell someone that you admire their work, maybe gain some insight, pick their brain a little, uh, I think nine times out of 10, you, they're going to be willing and able to help you and it'll be invaluable. But I would love to hear what, what your thoughts on it are. Yeah, um, I think people underestimate the value of just reaching out to people and asking questions and like trying to build a relationship. Um, you never know where someone is going to end up and you never know who someone is going to end up talking to down the road. So, um, you know, this happens, I'm sure, often with me, but recently, um, most recent example, I've had, um, you know, some people ask me questions every now and then and just, you know, kind of, it's not always asking questions. Sometimes it's just a, Hey, this is cool, whatever. But like basically just, you know, develop some type of back and forth on social and, um, subconsciously that just makes me remember their name and remember like, yeah. Oh, this person is interested in this stuff. So now, you know, if somebody were to ask me like, Hey, I'm, I have a, I have a position open. Do you know anyone who's interested? It's a, you know, beginner position, um, you know, do you have anybody you want to throw their name in the hat? And at the top of my head is going to be Absolutely. that person yeah. that, you know, yeah. cause I'm like, Oh, this guy's been asking me questions and, or, you know, whoever. And that's happened twice, uh, recently. Yeah. Um, I sent them the same name cause that's like the last name I think of. And it's not, yeah. you know, it's just, it's just because it's, it's like, if you don't, if you don't shoot me a DM and there's no way for me to know your name. Um, yeah. and you know, of course, you know, there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. And, you know, there are people that ask stupid questions or, you know, don't even ask a question at all and just like, Hey, you have a job for me, whatever. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but if you go about it the right way, it's, it could be like a crazy web of, um, you know, things, dominoes that fell down that gets you sure. something in the future. So I think, you know, for those who are listening that, you know, are trying to get their name out there, trying to 
you know, get into this field, like DM everyone who's established in this field and like try to ask questions, try to be friendly, you know, just start a conversation. You might get some responses. You might get no responses. Who cares? Um, but the more people you interact with, the more likely it is your name gets remembered. And that's like straight logic right there. So, um, yeah, that's dope to see that someone's joining the show and you guys have already talked to each other. Um, all right, we're going to let the next person in. Hello, can you hear me? Yo, what's going on? Yes. Um, how do you pronounce your first name? Uh, Nyanta. Nyanta, awesome. Well, welcome to the podcast. Uh, my name is Billy. This is Kevin on the line as well. Um, to sports creatives in the NFL. So uh, start off with an intro from you and kind of where you're at if you're a student or if you're working, just so we have some more context with your questions. And then you can go ahead and ask your first question right after that. Yeah, sweet. So um, my name is Nate Pauly. I just graduated high school in Kansas, actually. So both of you have history in Kansas. Yeah. So I went to Blue Valley Southwest and now I'm headed off to Illinois for college. Perfect. And that's kind of where I'm at. I'm kind of where I'm at right now. I'll be headed out in about a week or so. So nice. It's kind of where I'm at. Awesome. And uh, what's your first question for us? So my first question is like, I I know like both of you kind of went to like big ish schools. So how do you kind of set yourself apart once you get to that big school? Like, is there anything you did during your time in university that kind of help you for like set, set you up for success or like anything you would recommend? Yeah. Um, so I will say Stanford was first of all got a soft spot in my heart for Kansas. So I love that. Um, I will say that uh, Stanford was kind of a unique case um, because while it is, you know, a relatively big school, uh, I will say that the sports enthusiasm among the student bodies may be not as high as you would expect. Um, so that actually was not a surprising amount of demand for the position, um, which, you know, was great for me because then I got a ton of reps. I got a ton of opportunities, got a ton of stuff like that. Um, with that being said, um, I think like we talked about just previously, um, you never know until you reach out. So I would, I went through like Stanford's athletic directory and I found like their video team, their social team. And I basically messaged and was like, hi, my name's Kevin. I'm really interested in this field. Frank, like truthfully, I don't have a lot of experience shooting, but I would really love to gain some. And I think it could be valuable. Um, here's my work. Sign Kevin. Um, so you really never, never know until you try. Um, and you said Illinois. Yeah. UAUC. Okay. So maybe, yeah, maybe after this, um, there's, there's a lot of people I consider friends that I've never met in real life. They're like cyber friends. Um, but I do have uh, a good cyber friend at Illinois. So that might be worth me like forwarding you as contact information. And that may be a way that you could just be put in contact. So, yeah, totally. I'll answer that question as well. Um, at the university of Arkansas, I actually wasn't really, I didn't really consider myself like a really sports content creator yet. So I wasn't, um, I didn't work for the athletic department or I didn't shoot um, a single minute of collegiate, you know, sports. Um, I really just didn't know, you know, what type of positions were out there. Um, I did work for Razorback Sports Network, which was like a student group of um, like 40 of us that worked the broadcast and like the behind the scenes of uh, broadcasts for basketball, volleyball and football for like the SEC network and all this, um, which was really cool and really great experience, but it wasn't exactly like sports content creative. Um, But looking back, had I known about, you know, 
what the potentials were at a big school, I would have reached out to the football's marketing team or social team or their video team and just, you know, straight up ask like, hey, you know, I'm an incoming freshman or I'm a current sophomore or whatever. And I really want to, you know, learn how to shoot football or learn how to film volleyball or whatever. Like, are there any opportunities or any, you know, positions available for me to, um, you know, learn that stuff or do that. And, you know, I, I would assume nine out of 10 times, you know, you're going to get a positive response. Like people working at colleges understand that, you know, there are a thousand students that are coming onto campus and everyone's trying to figure out what they want to do. And, um, I would assume also you know, a majority of students aren't reaching out to them, you know, asking for, you know, that video position or video spot. Like I would think most students like me are coming in and just like following the directions, you know, given at orientation and okay, I sign up for this class. Like what's next? Like I would say that's 99% of students. And then one, the 1% of students that are like, Oh, what? Like the directory has all their emails. I can email every single person in the athletic staff. Like, that's a lot of power that not many people take advantage of. And it's super easy to just be like, Hey, I'm interested in video and shooting for the football team. Like, who do I need to talk to? Like, even if you're not the right person, you know, like, let me know who is and I'll email them and they'll get you connected nine times out of 10. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, actually, that's kind of what I was kind of thinking. Cause I kind of made my last minute decision. So I missed the deadline for like the actual video application. So I kind of just been emailing around trying to figure out how I can get this position. So I th- I'm going to try for that out for a while. You know, sometimes, you know, departments will have positions they don't even know they need and they'll create one. Like, even if you miss a deadline, like who cares? Like you just ask around and, you know, they might be like, all right, sorry, you missed a deadline, but you know, we don't mind if you come shadow or whatever. And even if you miss a semester or miss a year um, because of a missed deadline, there's always next year. Like, um, definitely keep asking around and keep doing what you're doing. Okay. Well, I guess that kind of went to my next question, but in high school, like there's, I just kind of did what I could. Cause like I went to a small high school. Um, there wasn't really much demand for like anything video wise. So we just kind of just like put an idea and they're like, Oh yeah, go do it. So we just could do it. And then there wasn't really anything for us to like chase per se, but in like the professional or college collegiate level, how do you determine like when you've put enough effort into like a piece of work? Like, cause I know like they want speed or they want quality. Like how do you determine when like enough is enough? Um, that's a really good question. Um, I feel like in the professional world, you will most of the time have a, entity or a person that's above you that, you know, gives you an assignment or a, um, like, Hey, we need X, Y, Z. Like you're giving a scope of work on what you need to do. And so it's all about going out, you know, creating that content and trying to get it as close to X, Y, Z as possible. And then you show that X, Y, Z to whoever assigned it to you or whoever your manager is, your boss is, the person overseeing you. And, you know, you generally they'll either approve it or say it could use a little more work or how about we make these changes or whatever. 
Then you go back to the drawing board, make those changes, bring it back. And that's, I would say, a majority of videos, you know, that's how they come to fruition. And it's not always on you to be like, okay, this video is ready. Um, like post it on Twitter or whatever. Like there's usually a chain of people that see the video and, you know, help you through the steps, especially if you're starting out or in, at, at an intern position or entry level position. Like a lot of times um, there's going to be pe- supervisors or people above you that kind of help you learn when a video is done or ready or maybe not ready. Um, and then once you just have that cycle of reps, you kind of figure out on a professional scale, like, okay, I'm confident this is ready and, you know, I'll send it to whoever needs to see it. They have no changes and it's good to go. Um, and then that just takes reps. It just takes time and, you know, figuring out what, you know, what, your supervisor or whoever, what type of video they like. Or if you're freelancing, if you're working for a client, like same thing, a client comes to you, they have a project idea, they have a vision, and you're just trying to, you know, create something to try to match that vision. And you can only go as far as you think it's done. And once you get to that point, you have to present it to them and then they'll tell you if, oh, that's, that was great, perfect, you know, we'll take it. Or can we change this? Can we change that? Can we change this? And then you just make those changes. So it's just an always constant loop of is it good or what changes are needed or it's approved or it's not approved. And then, you know, boom. So it's, you're not on an Island in, in most cases in terms of video. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely echo what Billy said, like the higher you go, the more cooks there are in the kitchen. Um, they're always going to, tell you exactly what you need to fix, what you need to do. Like at, with the dolphins, we have producers and I'll go through seven or eight versions of the video and they'll tell me you need to change this, you need to change that. Um, but I'm sure that when you're at Illinois, that would, you would have someone who would help you with that. But at the same time, like you're going to develop your own internal compass of like, I know this is done. This is good. And it depends on the video. Like Billy said, timeless is important on some and it's not on others. So um, Illinois just upsets Ohio state big win. The recap video for that. I'm never going to say you want to sacrifice quality, but you're going to want to get that out as soon as possible because the fans want to see highlights. Whereas um, you're doing a feature on a new facility that's under construction for a year. Obviously, you can take your time. You can really, really get all the details and quality down. So it's just something you'll 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 get over time and you'll develop sort of an internal compass. But also, you're always going to have someone with you, um, whether it's your manager, your coworker, or whatnot, um, who who will kind of walk you through that process as well. Yeah, yeah, because I was kind of like wondering, like, because like in high school, like you just kind of do until yeah. you're kind of sick of it. So, so like I'm kind of wondering, I guess it kind of like also like talks about like the professional, but like when I've been looking at like these positions, like more and more of them are just being like you need multiple skills. So like, is it good to just kind of work at multiple skills or like be great at like one specific skill? Because like, like I said, I've just been looking at a bunch of these positions. You're like, oh, you need this and this and this and this and this. So like, it's kind of like the entire team's so one person. You know, that's a really good question. And a lot of, you know, a lot of people have that question. Like, would you rather be average at a lot of, or like semi good, semi average at a lot of things versus amazing, great, excellent perfection at one thing and one thing only. Um, I think both routes can work. Like if you're a phenomenal colorist and all you do is color, you know, there's opportunities out there for you to color 
the dopest music videos for the biggest stars out there or, you know, NFL films. They have people in their um, departments that just color. Like there are production companies where people just color. So that is, you know, an option. If you want to be the best, best, you know, After Effects person, wizard in your team and like, you know, there's, there's positions out there where that's a need. Um, but then on the flip side, if you are decent and like pretty average or not average is probably the, not the right word, but like above average at coloring above average at After Effects, you know, intermediate, intermediate level of premiere, like, you know, some Photoshop, some Lightroom, Illustrator, like that is a very valuable person to have on your team as well. So I think it's less on you as an individual, like like you don't have to like right now decide I want to be good at one thing or I want to be good or I want to be great at one thing versus I want to be good at five things. It's more on like the organization that you're trying to work for. Um, if you're trying to go work for an NFL team, I would probably say someone who's more well-rounded is going to fit better into the department of an NFL team because there's three to eight, you know, creatives on an NFL team, which is not a lot. And they have to produce, turn a wide variety of content throughout the season, um, and wear multiple hats. Whereas if you want to go work at NFL films and be the, you know, all you want to do is shoot NFL films has a team of just shooters. They have a team of just audio mixers. Um, they have a team of just colorists and, you know, you'll see more at like the production level houses, like in Hollywood or in LA where you'll have more, um, unique skill sets versus, at places like, on an NFL team or freelancing where you see more of like a jack of all trades. So um, uh, that might answer your question, but that's kind of my point of view on that topic. Kevin, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I was going to, I was going to say more or less exactly what Billy said. I think um, there's definitely routes for both ways. Um, if you're going to, if you want to work in house for an NFL team or a college team, I would, I would agree that you probably want to be more well-rounded, but that's not to say if you have one really particular strength that you shouldn't, that there's not routes for that. Um, I would just, I would say to not run away from your strengths and not to run away from your weaknesses. And by that, I mean, if you're really, really strong at something, own it. I'm really, really good at sound design Um, and don't stop working on it because, you know, you think you're already good. You can always get better. Um, And just own the fact that I'm really, really good at long form storytelling because oftentimes jobs will post something and while it's, they ask for a wide range of things. They say, we really have an emphasis. We're really looking for someone who's good at long form storytelling. And you can say, I'm good at a lot of things, but that is my strength. Um, and keep working on it, even though you're trying it. At the same time, don't run away from your weaknesses, because like we said, there's always going to be a need for a variety of skills. Um, with the Dolphins, for example, we're working on more of a broadcast side. We're doing like a switcher um, and it's very, very broadcast heavy. And I will just be honest, I have very little experience with it. And I'm frankly not very good at it. Um, but I'm working on it. I'm trying to get better at it because there's a need for it. Um, we don't, I mean, we don't have like a designated, you are broadcast person within our video thing. Everyone has to do a wide variety. So I would say, um, if you're strong at something, own it, keep working on it, keep making it a strength. But, um, if you're weak at something, don't run away from it. 
um, acknowledge it and just work on it to make it a strength eventually as well. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Cause I don't know. Cause one thing I've kind of been like thinking of is kind of, do I, should I spend more time on that, that one thing or just kind of branch out and just kind of like try everything to figure out what I can do? Cause like summer, I just had this all this time. So I just been kind of working at different little things. Like I just kind of, kind of exploring 3d because i've never really tried oh, doing wow, yeah. 3d so i don't know i was kind of thinking like what will benefit me in the future like what i should spend my time on yeah um definitely in your situation you know you just graduated high school entering the college workforce or whatever i would spend your time trying to figure out as many things as possible to set yourself up post-college um i think that's just the more logical route um, rather than, you know, focusing all on one thing and kind of bottlenecking yourself. Um, even though you might be super, super great at that one thing, I think it'll be a lot harder for you to find a full-time position that, um, needs that one thing versus a full-time position that could use a little bit more, even if it's not as great as it would have been if you spent all that time on that one thing. I mean, so how was your experience out of college? Like for both of you? Yeah, uh, I'll go first. Um, you know, I, so I started videography my sophomore year of college and then I was just spending, you know, hours and hours on YouTube trying to learn Premiere, try to learn camera settings, blah, 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 all this, uh, sophomore and junior year, um, senior year I got, I felt like I was getting a, a little better, the hang of it. And I would just, um, spend most of my time applying for jobs. Uh, and in my mindset, you know, back then was, I, I know I'm pretty good at this video thing, but I know I'm not like great or phenomenal just because I didn't have any true experience filming like a sport. Um, the only thing I got to film was Quidditch because that's the only thing I had access to. But I never shot a football game. I never shot a soccer game. I never got to do any of that just because I didn't really have, I was still in my learning phase. Um, so no one really gave me a chance to um, go you know, do it for real. So I knew it was going to be a long shot and I just needed an opportunity at, you know, somewhere in order to show, all right, now I'm working for a team. I can do this for real and, you know, show that I can do this. So I went with the strategy of applying to any sport, any league, any city. I did not care, you know, if it was AAA baseball, if it was the NFL, the NBA, if it was swimming, if it was U.S. soccer, like I just applied to everything that was sports related and video related um, to increase my odds at getting that opportunity because I knew that once I got that opportunity, I could kind of run with it, get better, prove it, show that I had what it takes, and then from there, you know, make my jump to where I actually want to go or whatever. Um, and luckily, you know, in a, a position – uh, opened up at the Kansas City Chiefs. It was a full-time position. I applied for it. They denied me that position, but then they counter-offered and said, hey, you know, we don't think you have the experience needed for this full-time position, but uh, we have a seasonal position that you might fit well for. Would you be interested in that? And I said, yes. Like, I don't care if it's just an internship or, or a one-season thing. Like, I just need that opportunity to prove it. And um, that's basically what happened. I moved to Kansas city right after college and just started working every day and trying to prove it. 
Yeah. Yeah. I would say Billy's really a testament to that. He had a, a viral tweet, I think it was, where it was all the places he applied to. Um, and it's a lot of red. It's a lot of red, but all you need is one shot because obviously he's one of the best videographers like in the entire realm right now. So I think he's a really cool testament to that. And I would also say, um, like you're miles ahead of where I was in high school. Like the fact that you're working on 3D, all I had done when I was entering college is edit an iMovie in Windows Movie Maker. So um, some of the best videographers I know, um, some of them didn't even do it in college. Andrew Stewart, who was like incredible, he was telling me he didn't even really start to like his senior year of college. So you're like, don't compare your journey to others necessarily, but you, I mean, to me, you're well ahead of where I was. Um, so I will add that. Um, out of college, I, um, truthfully, I got very fortunate. Um, I was, I, I had a giant list of jobs I was going to apply to. I was searching teamwork, indeed, all that good stuff. Um, and just through a stroke of good luck, um, someone I'd worked with at Stanford had moved to the dolphins and had let me know, Hey, this position's open. I think you'd be a really good fit. I think you should apply. Um, and while I was very lucky and fortunate for that, I know that's not the case for everyone and that it was just incredible timing. Um, but to that point, I think it also shows the importance of connections and being good to people. Um, you never, like Billy said this earlier in the podcast, you never know where someone's going to end up. Um, and it's a two way street too. Um, cause you know, when we're talking to you right now, you know, in four years, you're going to be the lead videographer for NFL films or something. Um, and it's a two way street. And if, if we're not good to you, then that connection's burned and vice versa. Um, so I think that's a testament to just be good to people, just be nice, um, be pleasant to work with work hard um, because those connections are very important, especially in a field that's so small. Um, word gets around about your name, whether it's good or bad, and you always just want to make sure it's good. Um, so that that was my experience at least. Okay. Yeah. That's actually very helpful because I've always kind of like worried about comparing myself to other people's work because I feel like, oh, it's not good enough. But like also yeah. I haven't been doing it for that long. Like they're professionals who've been doing it for over like 10 years, let's say, and I haven't been doing it for that long. Like I know, but it's also like helpful to kind of see what they've been doing. Like Billy, like um, I saw your two camera set up that one time at, at Super Bowl. And I was like, hmm, it's very interesting. So I tried it out. Um, it was very heavy, so I decided not to do it. But uh, it's just really cool to see like the stuff that you guys do. Like, you guys, you've been choosing some incredible stuff. So it's, it's like you learn from it and you kind of like put your own spin on it. So it's kind of helpful. But yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, and yeah. definitely, um, uh, I was going to say, uh, definitely emphasizing what you said about, you know, not wanting to compare to people. Uh, it's to me, it's like literally there's no point in comparing yourself to other people because everyone's on a different journey, like Kevin said, but then you have to realize everyone's on a different portion of their journey and you're only seeing, you know, where they're at currently via social media or whatever. Um, but you don't know, you know, what led to that point or what, obviously you can't see the future, but you're not going to see what, you know, uh, what lies ahead of them after that point. You're just seeing today, like right now, presently on IG story or whatever. Um, and that's across the board with everybody. So once you realize that, like, not only are you on separate journey or separate paths that everyone's on a different timeline of their path. Like someone might be at the end, someone might be at the beginning. Um, that to me just eliminates the idea of trying to compare yourself because it's like comparing 
like two different languages and like different parts of the alphabets of those languages, like of course they're not going to be the same because they're not even related by two degrees. Like it's a different language and it's a different portion of the alphabet, if that even makes sense. But that's my yeah. kind of my take on that. That's yeah, sweet. That's really all I was kind of wondering, especially like, I don't know, just kind of like out of high school, I'm like kind of thinking like what I should do for the future, like how I should set my up, set myself up for success and like seeing you guys and like seeing you guys, what you guys do right now is incredible. Like Billy, we're so happy you're hit Kansas City. It's like, thank you for all the stuff you do. Uh, and like, I don't know, especially in Kansas, there's not many of the opportunities here in Kansas, I would say. It's kind of like secluded off. So hopefully I, I, like once I go head out and like start kind of getting my name in the industry, we'll start to see some stuff pop up. Yeah, for sure. I'm definitely excited to see what you do at Illinois. And, um, you know, there, it may feel like there's not a lot of opportunities, but you'll be surprised once you start talking to more people and networking, like there's a plethora of opportunities out there, even in the middle of nowhere, Kansas or, you know, wherever, um, you just got to be proactive and go out and find it. Yeah, I'll definitely look into that more because all really is not like really all I've been doing right now is freelance work, you know, because like just people ask you like, hey, do you want to do this? I'm like, yeah, sure. So I'm trying to get at something more like more at a bigger stage, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, definitely on the way towards that. And like Kevin said, you're way ahead of both of us coming out of high school. I didn't even touch a camera until sophomore year of college. So um, keep doing what you're doing. And um, can't wait to see what you do in the future. Perfect. Thank you guys so much. It's very helpful. Yep. Appreciate Pleasure. it. Good talking to you. Those are some solid questions. And the, yeah, a lot of people um, that I talk to on the DMs and stuff, and I'm like, like, what are you, like, what grade are you in or whatever? And they're like, oh, I'm in 12th grade or 11th grade or I just graduated high school. And I'm like, I mean, <laughs> pressure's on y'all. Like, I started sophomore yeah. year. You started freshman year of college. Like a lot of people start late that I know who are currently in the industry. And it seems like everyone trying to start now is just getting younger and younger because technology's being easier to get your hands on a camera. And like iPhone cameras are so good. TikTok, social media, like that next wave is just so much younger. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's insane. Um, but yeah, I mean, I really echo everything you said, like, Comparing yourself to other people, it's so easy, but it's so not helpful. Um, Cause I would compare myself to, like he said, NFL videographers when I was a freshman in college and been using the camera for like a month. It's like, what's the, what's the, what's the point in that? What's the help in that? So um, yeah, just people put a lot of pressure on themselves. I'm guilty of it. Um, I'm sure a lot of other people are, but. All right. We got, I believe one more person uh, in the room. So we're going to answer their questions and then we'll wrap it up. Um, a Roz. Hey, what's going on? Uh, it's just, yeah. So my name is, uh, Alex Rosen, but, um, <clears throat> a Rose is like my YouTube channel name. Nice. Uh, all right, yeah. Alex, what's good. What's up. Thanks for having me. Yeah, um, for sure. yeah. So just a few questions I have for you guys. So just to give you a quick background, I um, mean, so I'm currently a graduate student at Sacred Heart University. I'm uh, studying sports communications and media, and I've been doing videography for uh, Sacred Heart athletics for the past four years. So, my first question is sort of a general question. What is some of the best advice you could give, um, you know, for someone like me uh, to get, uh, you know, like into the industry right out of college, you know, like in terms of applying and, you know, finding, you know, open job, you know, applications. 
Um, yeah, I would, um, I would say probably first and foremost, like, I think a lot of people get scared off of smaller, like smaller colleges. They're like, Oh, it's not the same stage. It's like a P five college and stuff like that. Um, but I mean, Billy can feel free to disagree. I think most hiring managers are going to be looking at the quality of your work. Not, they're not going to care about like the stage it was on necessarily. Um, there's, let's see, UC San Diego. Um, there's fair state. There's so many incredible videographers who have like landed incredible positions in the league or at high level colleges that come from like very, very small colleges. And it's all product of like the quality of their work. Um, so I'm sure, I'm sure your work's incredible quality. Um, and that'll shine through. Um, and, and to that point, I think networking in general, obviously you're going to hear it time and time again. Um, but I think the way I've probably seen the most open jobs, obviously teamwork's a great resource, um, but it's through networking, like people posting it on Twitter, on Instagram, whatever. Um, so just staying in contact with those people, finding those people um, and obviously teamwork, you know, there's no way around not browsing teamwork, but um, I think networking is also going to be the cliche answer, but it's, it truly is one of the most important things. Cool. Cool. Yeah, no. Uh, okay. Alex, so I'll jump in and add yeah. Part sure, of it too. Yeah. Um, the best, honestly, I didn't get any advice when I was in college applying. Like I had no direction or no guidance on like, hey, you should apply here or this is how you do it. Um, you know, I, I didn't really have a, a solid mentor to like guide me through that process. So um, I'll just kind of say what I would think is the best advice to you. Um from my experience and from what I discovered through that process is I'm a very logical person. Um, so I just, you know, logically thought about it. Okay. Uh, you know, I know where I want to be. I want to go into sports content creation. So, you know, I know the reason I probably, um, the reason I'm probably not getting a lot of yeses right now is, you know, I don't have that much experience. Like it makes sense. If you don't have experience or have a great reel, like a lot of people are just going to pass on you or say no, or say next, maybe next time or whatever. So that makes sense. So my senior year of college, I would literally just say, all right, I'm just going to cast the widest net possible and apply to as many jobs as possible. I don't care what league it's in, NBA, AAA baseball. I don't care what city it's in. Like, I need to give myself the most, um, the biggest opportunity to get an opportunity because I know, you know, my experience isn't going to get me that job. And my, um, like, I, I just don't have the proof that I could do well in this industry. So, applied to like 50 places, got denied to probably 47, 48. And, you know, it just took one to say yes to me and give me a shot, which was, you know, luckily it was the Kansas City Chiefs and luckily it was an internship. But once I got that opportunity, I just ran with it and, you know, attacked every day until in order to prove to them or to a different team that, yeah, I belong here. So, um, I think my advice to you is not to be, um, I think some people have told me like they want to be in New York city or they want to, you know, stay in Dallas. Like for me, I was like, I don't care what city I'm in. I just need, like, I'm going to sacrifice, you know, I'm going to lessen my 
opportunities if I just choose, okay, I want to stay home near Dallas. Like I would say, cast have an open mind. Like maybe it's not the sport you want to be in, like a team offered, or maybe it's, you know, the division you don't want to be working in. Like it's not the NHL, it's a minor league or whatever, but just know that that could be a stepping stone if you go in and just, you know, grind it out for one year, for two years, you can easily get the experience you need once you're at a minor league or a lower level or a smaller city to get that next jump up. Cool. No, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <clears throat> Thank you for that. Um, so I guess my next question would be, it's sort of like a two-part question. Uh, the first part, what are some good uh, cameras that you would recommend for doing sports video, <clears throat> sports videography? And then the second part of the question is, when you do land a job, you know, such as some of the jobs you guys have, is the equipment everything you would need provided for you? Or do you recommend having some of this equipment prior to applying of your own? Yeah, that's a really good question. And um, I think I'll start with the second part first. Um, once you get, you know, in, into the post-college professional ranks of these positions, equipment should fall onto the company or the organization that's hiring you. Um, unless you're freelancing solo, uh, most, I would say 99% of places will provide equipment for you to use. Um, with that being said, there are certain situations where it might be helpful to have your own equipment if it's, you know, it's a, if it's a better look or you enjoy using it better or for whatever reason than what the company has. And maybe you need to, you know, use your personal stuff for a little bit and try to prove to that company or organization that they should be getting that which is exactly what happened with me at Let It Fly Media. Um, I had my own gear, and it was, in my opinion, better gear than what Let It Fly had at the start. We were, they were just a startup, so we would use my equipment knowing that eventually we'll basically buy out that equipment, and then I could just keep my personal stuff at home, and now we have our own stuff at Let It Fly. So... Um, Definitely shouldn't have to rely on your gear if you're working for a team or working for an organization. Um, and if there is, you know, a company or organization that's expecting you to have your own gear, I would consider that a red flag. Like um, they should have the budget or they should be able to finance their own gear and not rely on the people they're hiring um, for their gear. Unless right. you're a freelancer or well, where in that case, if you're a freelancer, you need your own gear. Um, yeah. So then back to your first question about uh, a good camera for sports. Um, for me, I think the bare minimum is 1080p and 60 frames per second. As long as you can do HD 60 frames per second, in my opinion, that's kind of all you need for sports starting out because slow motion is a in, important aspect of sports, in my opinion. Um, and then obviously you just want to be able to do 1080 at least and not get, be stuck in like 720 or, yeah. um, something lower. Um, so when looking at cameras, if, if you're like on a tight budget, like at the very minimum, those are the two kind of easy bullet points that I would try to hit. Um, and then past that, when it comes to looking for cameras for sports, um, 
you know, it it's taken me a long kind of equipment journey path to kind of figure out what I liked. And I wasted a bunch of money on, you know, what I thought was going to be the perfect camera or whatever. Like, I think one thing you have to realize is there is no perfect camera, no matter what your budget is. And just, um, like something I wish I did was maybe rent a piece of equipment before fully purchasing it. Um, because I kind of just bought stuff based on hype and less on like research or, you know, just trying it out myself before committing. Um, so that would be my advice to you when it comes to trying to look for a camera body, like maybe see if you can rent it out and use it on a small project before you fully commit to purchasing it. Um, cause once you make the purchase, like <clears throat> sure you could sell it and try to get the next cool camera that comes out, but then you're losing that difference, that loss that you had. And then it just kind of avalanches, um, or snowballs into losing more and more money. Um, I went from the Canon T3i to a second Canon T3i to a Canon 70D to a Canon 80D to a Sony Alpha A7S II to a Canon Mark, um, whatever it is, a Canon 1DX Mark II to back to Sony A7 III and then finally landed on the Blackmagic 4K, which was the first time I was like, this is it. This is the camera <laughs> that I love. Like All those cameras leading up to it, I got it because they just released it. And I was like, oh, that's the next best thing. So I got it. But then it was like, it wasn't quite there. Um, and like the amount of money I would have saved if I just stuck with the Canon T3i and waited until the 4K and just went straight to that. Um, but it's one of those things you can't really control. So that's my advice when it comes to equipment. Yeah, no, because uh, at school, <clears throat> I take it hard for the past four years. I've just used like a Canon XA20 and like a C100. Um, but I've been able to produce what I think is some pretty good work with it. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to hear what you had to say as far as, you know, other cameras. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah. Kevin, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I was going to say exactly what Billy said. It's probably... Unless you're at like a really small school or company, like they're going to provide the equipment. With that being said, it would be good to have some um, for freelance opportunities and for scenarios like Billy mentioned. Um, and yeah, it really just depends on your budget. Um, I think the Sony A6 6500 is a very good starter one. That's like probably your cheapest baseline. And then the Sony A7 series, I think is good. And then Billy's Blackmagic is incredible. Um, so there's a lot of options. It really just depends on your budget. But I think it'd be good to have, but you're never going to have to to provide your, like, you won't be required to provide your own assist or equipment, but it would be good for freelance stuff and other scenarios. Cool. Cool. All right. And then I think just my final question is just, um, what would you say are just some of the best perks slash, uh, some of your favorite moments that you guys have had, you know, working in this industry, you know, specifically, um, you know, content creation and videography jobs. Yeah. Um, I think obviously the first and foremost perk is like you get to be at sporting, like incredible sporting events. Like I'm sure you're a big sports fan as I'm sure, you know, Billy and I are, and um, obviously not prerequisite to be a sports fan, but it's a pretty sick part. Um, you know, just getting to be at these events. So my favorite moments are, have always been at these events. So I remember Niners Seahawks, get, it was my first game at Seahawks stadium. It was so loud. Like everything I heard was true. Um, I think it's really, really cool, but it's also really cool to get to tell like really impactful 
and powerful stories to people. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to work on more like feature type stuff where people are really like sharing personal information. You have the opportunity to tell their story um, in a way that is really meaningful to them. So obviously, you know, getting to work alongside like the best college and pro athletes is, is a huge perk. I mean, these are incredible athletes who I personally look up to. I know a lot of people do um, and getting to be at these events, but um, there's definitely other perks. Um, like I mentioned about getting to really, really tell impactful stories. Yeah. And for me, um, there's definitely, you know, a bunch of crazy cool perks about this industry. Um, I think for me, one of the biggest things to kind of like wrap your head around is like, you get to be a part of some very big moments and like that or very big moments that like, if you weren't in this field or in this journey or whatever, that there would be no way in heck that, you know, you would have that opportunity to be in that moment. Like it's, it's almost like the next step of like the, the like in between of like being famous and being like your average person. Like you're, you're in the middle of that, those two things. Cause you're not really like a famous athlete or like a famous superstar. Like no one knows you, but you're also in these certain situations where like you're on the field of the Super Bowl or you're on the bus of a championship parade or, I mean, those are just two examples that I've experienced, but I could say there was someone out on the court for game six at the Bucks rushing the field or rushing the court to shoot Giannis. There was someone capturing content on a phone in that locker room. And like those big moments and those almost micro moments of the big events are like kind of the things that I look back on the most. Um, Like, you know, the Super Bowl was freaking sweet. And I don't (laughs) know how in the world I would ever get in that position had I not picked up a camera. Like the best thing I could do would probably be to purchase a Super Bowl ticket. But I literally got paid to go to the Super Bowl. Like, so that I think that's to me, working in sports is like the best part about working in sports is you are literally getting paid to be a nobody at these big moments in history that like in 50 years, people are going to be talking about when, I don't know, Patrick Mahomes beat the 49ers. Sorry, Kevin. At, <laughs> Um, in Miami and I could be like, I was there like on the field for that. And just stuff like that is what I look forward to when I'm working in sports and like what I'm kind of thankful for being in sports for the past couple of years. No, that that's awesome. No, it's something that motivates me, you know, to pursue, you know, jobs in this industry is, you know, just the thought of, you know, me potentially capturing, you know, a certain clip of a highlight that, ends up being the iconic 
shot of that specific high. Like everyone knows, you know, the Odell Beckham Jr. famous catch. There's like one or two angles and, you know, the LeBron James block in game seven. There's that one or two angles that resonates in everyone's head. And knowing that, you know, you were, you know, the person who captured that is pretty cool to me. Yeah. So as far as questions, um, I, that's all I got uh, for today. But yeah, no, that. Nice. Thank you for having me. Uh, thanks for the advice and, and everything. Yeah. Really pre- awesome. Appreciate it, Alex. Thank you so much for hopping on and asking those questions. Um, you're not the only one with those questions. And that's the reason I'm doing this podcast is so other people can get the same advice. So appreciate you hopping on and good luck to your um, future endeavors. Thank you so much, guys. Alex, with with uh, and I guess not hard hitting questions, but it made me think. That's that's awesome. Yeah, um, but speaking of big moments, you've shot a Super Bowl, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How how was that? Um, was that your first Super Bowl? I or- do. Um, let's see. Tampa was my second, so okay. I've been yeah. fortunate to. I do want to push back on something you said earlier. You said you you wouldn't, uh, there's no way you would have made it to the Super Bowl otherwise. Um, you definitely could have been QB1. I think <laughs> there, there's a world in which you're a starting quarterback for the Chiefs. So I wouldn't sell yourself short. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was, I mean, like it was it on my bucket list was shoot a Super Bowl, like from as long as I can remember. Um, so getting to do not one, but two is incredible. If you had told me that that would happen before I left college, I would never have believed you. So obviously very fortunate to have done that. Um, and I think it was, how do I want to say this? It wasn't cool, obviously, um, you know, with the pandemic and everything going on, um, you know, it, it's impacts a lot of people. It's impacted my family. Um, and it's been horrific, but it was, it, it was really interesting to get to see the two sides of the Super Bowl. Um, cause you were at both obviously. And we were, we were there in Miami before COVID really hit, it was the month before. Um, and we got to experience like a full, traditional Super Bowl. And it was very, very cool, obviously. And it's something I'll remember for the rest of my life, like you mentioned, um, plenty of others will. Um, and then getting to do that in Tampa um, with, with all that was going on, it felt like a, a little sense of normalcy and that factor being added in um, amongst a myriad of other things uh, made that like a very distinct experience from the first one, but also equally as valuable. Um, and yeah, I mean, I can't even give enough words of how much of a dream come true it was, as I'm sure it was for you. So, um, just my uh, my home team didn't win. So, it's <laughs> the only difference. Tell us a little bit more about um, being LCC, because I get a bunch of DMs asking about yeah. LCC, and I'm sure yeah, you do. Yeah. You did as well when you were in LCC. Um, so let's talk about it a little bit and. Uh, just kind of explain how you became an LCC because I think that's the number one um, question when, when it comes to that. It's like, how do you become an LCC? How do you become an LCC? So what was your process like? Yeah, yeah. I uh, I may or may not have received that question a lot as well. So it is good to... Um, I wish there was some like kind of secret sauce, like magic answer, like you got to do this. And then it's like, but it really was just for me, at least it was a very traditional, just application interview. You get the position or not. Um, so I, like I said, I applied to both Oakland and San Francisco, um, really hit it off with the San Francisco crew. They had interviews, they had little tasks for me to do. Um, like then I was in Atlanta at the time. So then we go to a Braves game and, um, like create a social strategy as if I was running the Braves account. Um, and that was just fortunate enough to get it. Um, and yeah, I, um, it, to our point about following people, I, I had been in the sports Slack creative group and saw Russell post it and just applied on a whim. 
Um, but yeah, I wish there was some incredible answer um, that like, this is like a special thing and stuff like that, but it was pretty traditional application process for me, like you would for any part-time or full-time job. Um, but I think I would imagine that Russell or anyone with the LCC staff would be posting these out, um, whether it's on the NFL site or on their personal pages. Um, sorry, I felt like that was a disappointing answer, but um, it, no, it's the truth. In the I, I think yeah. that's the answer I wanted to hear because I think um, I think a lot of people don't realize like how normal of a you know of a process it is. Like they do post an application and. I think they do post like specifically per city. Like you yeah. said, there's an open yeah. one in a San Francisco one. So like um, the thing I think people need to realize is there's only like two or three LCCs per team. Yeah. So it's not like a, there's not many postings every year, but also like once you're an LCC, you can be an LCC and as far as I know for as long as you want. Yeah. So yeah. if those two to three LCCs aren't leaving, then mm -hmm. there's not going to be any postings on those positions. But once someone does leave, for example, you were an LCC for two years and then now you're gone mm -hmm. to Miami Dolphins. Now there's a spot open and now they're yeah. going to have to fill it. So they're going to fill it by posting, you know, yeah. an application. So it's all about just timing and knowing kind of where to look, but, um, it is a pretty traditional process and, um, you just gotta, the timing just has to work out. Like you just have to hope yeah, to be in absolutely. a city that LCCs are gone for, you know, a different job or whatever. Um, and that you catch a posting. So, um, what was kind of the biggest lesson that you took away from being an LCC? Um, that you think kind of helped helped helps you now being full time in the NFL. That is a great question. Um, I think San Francisco definitely utilized me in a way that was unorthodox. Uh, so I know, like for a lot of LCCs, I mean, you were you were used in a very unorthodox way as well. Uh, for a lot of LCCs, it's strictly a game day commitment. Uh, so you you know you get in there on your Sunday, your Monday, your Thursday, whatever, and just shoot game day. You're sending the clips off, whatever. San Francisco, I had the opportunity to go in office and work alongside their video team and kind of the whole nine yards, which I was very, very fortunate to do because I had like a great idea of like how an NFL video staff runs because I had that insight um, as well as social because our, our job's obviously so interconnected with social. So um, getting that experience alongside the Niners, obviously every team's going to have different workflow and whatnot, but um, getting that experience was super invaluable. And it just taught me kind of how to maneuver a NFL game day. Um, you know, there are certain... Uh, from the time you arrive to where you need to position yourself to the kind of content you need to be shooting, the angles, all that. Um, it, it was super invaluable. Um, and, you know, at a certain point, like the stage is so big that you need to adjust to it. Um, so getting to adjust to that stage, um, all of those things definitely, definitely come to mind for me, but I'd be interested to hear your thought. Well, I guess so. You you were with the Chiefs before you LCC, right? So you had the you had the opposite path. Yeah, got it. Got it. <laughs> I just I just realized that I have the exact opposite path as you. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, I was two years with the Chiefs, one year as an intern, and then I got full time with them the following year. And then an opportunity came up for me to leave the Chiefs that I couldn't really um, pass on, which was Let It Fly. Mm -hmm. So I joined Let It Fly Media, 
still, you know, wanting to somehow shoot like the Chiefs games because I was going to be in Kansas City. So I was like, I need to figure out a way to like still shoot in the NFL. And, you know, my original thought was, you know, maybe I could get close to one of the players. Maybe I can get them to hire me and I could do content for the players. But that's always kind of a tough route to go unless you have a solid relationship with a player. So I remember working for the Chiefs. We worked with the LCCs um, quite a bit during game day. And I remember meeting Diego. That's how I met him. Oh, nice. You know, every Sunday I would just remember like, oh, there's Diego, our LCC. He's at Mizzou and he kind of just shoots for both teams. And, you know, I would be like, yo, Diego, like, can I get your SD card? Because that's just like more angles for us. Um, Mm -hmm. So we kind of had that relationship built. And so then once I left, I hit up Diego and was like, hey, um, who's your boss? Or like, how did you get hired? And he gave me his contact info, the Russell And I think I emailed Russell and I probably had the most unorthodox way of getting an LCC position because I, I either called Russell or emailed Russell like the most, I mean, it probably wasn't this arrogant in my head. It was, I was like, I was straight up like, Hey, I used to work for the chiefs. Like I, I just finished working for the chiefs for two years. So I know what the heck I'm doing. You need to yeah. hire me because I'm going to be in the Kansas City area. And like, I just spent two years shooting the team. So like the team knows who I am. Like, I basically know what I need to do. So like, you should hire me basically. I probably, I didn't word it like that. I probably was like, hey, if there's any opportunity for me to shoot, yeah. like, I'd yeah. love to shoot. But like in my head, that was like my mindset. Um, and he was like, yeah, like, um, let me ask the social team if, they know you if they're cool with you. And like Fernando with the Chiefs, he runs mm-hmm. social there. And um, Russell was like, yeah, are, are you good friends? Or like, does Fernando know you? Like, would he be okay with you or cool with you? And I was like, yeah, Fernando and I just went to Vegas for fun like two months ago. <laughs> like we're best of friends. And so then I got my first opportunity um, getting to shoot a preseason game as a warm up or like as a practice round. And uh, funny enough, it was against the 49ers. And uh, um, I like shot it. And like the first thing I shot, I like quick turned it, sent it to the social team. And I, that immediately they were like, all right, we're going to hire you. Cause like it was some like crazy shot of Patrick mm-hmm. walking down the tunnel or whatever, just cause I knew like I worked there for two yeah. years. So I know what Patrick's going to yeah. do. So I knew, I knew where to be. Um, so that was pretty funny on how I got the LCC job and kind of just ran with it since. Um, but yeah, LCC has been a wild experience for you and I, um, sad to see you leave the LCC program, but happy for you to be happy to see you at a full-time, uh, Miami position. Um, a couple more things before we wrap up at this point of the podcast, I'm going to hand the mic to you and let you ask me. Um, a couple questions, we'll kind of flip roles and let you host for a sec. Um, so if you have any questions for me, um, go for it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm excited. I was going to ask him anyway. Um, so um, I guess my first question would be, um, we kind of talked about like our paths being flipped almost. Um, I obviously have never 
um, worked for, um, I'm going to try to get the terminology correctly. Um, let's just call it like a media house, an independent media company, like let it fly. Um, and, you know, I definitely see there's a lot, you know, in my mind, I could list a myriad of pros to that, but I would just like to hear in your mind, um, having worked in the sphere of professional football for a team in-house to moving to, you know, freelancing for the NFL, in addition to working for an independent company, um, how is, what has that kind of taught you? What has that kind of revealed about both, both aspects? Yeah, uh, for sure. Definitely a popular question I get, uh, from other sports creatives. Um, so, um, yeah, so let it fly media. We consider ourselves a content agency and we're not, you know, we're not a team in terms of we're not the chiefs. Um, but we operate similar to a team to where we have, you know, several creatives and several producers within the same company or department. And, um, the big difference is instead of always shooting content for one logo, we shoot content for, you know, uh, a bunch of different logos. Like Mm -hmm. we have several clients that we shoot content for, and it's not always all, um, you know, working under one roof for one team. Um, so that's kind of the main difference between the two is learning how to work across, you know, three to four different clients at the same time versus when I was at the Kansas city chiefs, you know, I walked in wearing red and everything was just logo and it was the same brand guides and same fonts. And I just knew what I needed to do versus now we have, you know, XYZ clients, ABC clients, and we have to figure out, all right, get in the mindset for this client, get in the mindset for that client. How does this client like this shot? How does this client like that shot? Um, so that's like the overall big uh, difference between the two work styles. Um, and then after that, I would say um, there's definitely pros and cons of both sides. Um one of the biggest pros for agency life is I think work-life balance. Um, mm. We get weekends off basically, unless you know, sometimes there's travel on a Sunday or sometimes there's a shoot that needs to happen on the weekend. Definitely, you know, not all our weekends are free, but versus you know, when you're working at a team or for a league, uh, for example, the NFL, once it's mm-hmm. fall time, every single weekend, you know it's booked until it's a yeah. bye week. Um, yeah. And if it's an away game, you're traveling on Saturday, you're playing on Sunday and returning uh, Sunday night in time for to get back mm-hmm. to the office Monday. So that part of the Kansas City Chiefs grind was um, was exciting. Like I loved it, but I knew I loved it because I was fresh out of college and mm-hmm. – you know, I got to travel in the team plane and it was cool and um, I had the energy for it. But mm-hmm. for me, long term, like I just knew I couldn't like keep up that type of schedule, you know, 10 years down the road. And that's kind of what ultimately led me to leaving the NFL was just trying to get some more free time back and trying to get a better work-life balance. Um, and then... You know, definitely a lot of pros working for the team. Uh, the access 
is <clears throat> the best out of any compared to any other um, entity, usually like right now being outside of the Kansas City Chiefs, it'd be very hard for me to try to get access like to shoot practice. Like there's no way I'm going to be able yeah. to shoot practice. But when you're working for the team, shooting practice is just part of your daily routine. And you'll usually get first dibs on most um, opportunities to work with the players like um, media day or um, training camp. Like you'll get <clears throat> the sit, the one-on-one sit down interviews with players. You'll get, you know, the behind the scenes of, the players day to day, every day in the off season and in, in full season. So that was a big pro from working with the team is just the ease of getting access to all the players. Cause you are part of the staff. Um, and I do miss that aspect because now that I'm in the agency side of things, if we talk to a client that maybe wants to work mm-hmm. with a player or, or we do something that, maybe involves an athlete. I just know there's a bunch of hoops we have to jump through versus when we were with the team, if we wanted, you know, Chris Jones in the locker room for an intro video shoot or whatever, we could make that ask. And, you know, sometimes we won't, wouldn't get it, but most of the times we would. So those are my kind of two pros and cons for both sides of things. Got it. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Um, Things really cool. You got to see both sides too. Um, I got two more questions for you, yep. if that's okay. Go for it. Um, so obviously working at the Chiefs, um, you know, I, I, I value the work that in, in-house video departments do, um, and I know the value they provide, but in terms of the baseline revenue for the company, video is probably not going to make a dent one way or another, as opposed to you're going to, uh, you ba- I mean, you got in pretty much close to the ground level, let it fly, more or less, I want to say. Um, and you know, the entire success of the company is, you know, rest upon you guys. Um, you don't have the buffer of, this is a massive NFL team with billions of dollars. Um, could you speak a little to, I'm sure that was very exciting for you, but I'm sure there was also moments that were probably a little scary for you. Um, could you speak to, uh, going from, you know, a billion dollar company to, um, I, I hesitate to use the term startup, but you know, a, you know, a freshly started company that you're kind of really getting in at the base floor. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I'm definitely fine with calling us a startup because um, that's exactly what it was and what it still feels like today. Um, I was the first person hired at Let It Fly Media by the two co-founders, so I was number three, and it mm-hmm. was a very scary jump going from okay, you have a secure salary full-time position with a NFL team and going from that to, okay, these two dudes who hit you up on Instagram DM wants to match that salary. But like, there's no guarantees, like it could flop. Um, And I think ultimately what made me decide, what made me jump, was probably two things. One, uh, I felt like when I was at the Chiefs, I saw that I was kind of at my peak in terms of the ladder of um, <clears throat> positions because, you know, I was making social content for the social media team and for the social media channels, and that's all I wanted to do. Like, that was my, I guess, my quote-unquote dream, and <clears throat> I was there. So, like, 
what's the next step after that? Like I'm in five years, I'm still going to be making a social content for the team. And I didn't know if I really wanted to do that for five more years or however many more years. Um, so let it fly was an opportunity to, you know, try something new in terms of where you are on the ladder. Now I'm at number three versus 256 and trying to build a team and try to kind of cultivate a uh, environment of creatives and producers to try to like take over the world basically. Um, <clears throat> and that, you know, maybe jump, uh, leave the chiefs, go join agency life. And it's been a crazy ride. We, we started with the three of us or, I mean, I joined and it was just the three of us. And now we're at 19 full timers, um, and still growing. Um, and it's crazy because COVID also heavily impacted us. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that was a scary time as well. Like everything stopped, sports stopped, all our corporate clients basically stopped and, you know, everyone's trying to save money and just make it through the pandemic. And I have no idea how we made it through that, but somehow we managed to be smart about it, make some moves here and there. Um, we were kind of aggressive during that time. We actually hired, I think two or three people during mm -hmm. the pandemic. Uh, but we kind of just bet on ourselves and, um, we're kind of seeing the, uh, kind of the fruits of those moves now that things are starting to open up and become a little more normal as sports are returning and events are returning and our clients, our corporate clients are returning. And now we're just kind of set ourselves for a bigger year than we could have thought of if we just, you know, didn't do anything during COVID. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a very scary move. And, you know, in, in my head, I was like, well, if it fails, I'll just try to, you know, get back into sports. Like sports is always going to be there in my opinion. Um, yeah, or in my, sure. not my opinion, but like my thought process. So uh, mm -hmm. might as well go try something new and see what we can do. Yeah, I definitely get that. And it's kind of a testament to you guys, like you said, that you're growing by the day, even through COVID. Um, so I love, love the work you guys do, but that goes without saying. Um, last question. Do you have, I, I want a favorite sports moment or NFL moment rather and a favorite non-NFL let it fly moment with the caveat that you cannot choose the Super Bowl or the parade. All right. So favorite NFL moment. That is a good question. Um, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. I think one moment, uh, I've already said this on this podcast. I'll try to choose a different moment. Um, if it's, uh, if it's the first one to pop in your head, you can repeat it. I'm not going to judge. It's a good moment, I'm sure, yeah. if it's the first one in your head. Um, all right. It was Chiefs versus Houston. Um, one of my – it was my first game that I traveled to when I was an intern. And um, I was on the field. It was pregame. And the players were starting to run out to start their warm-ups. And like they come out in small groups at a time and the offense was coming out and Demarcus Robinson who plays for the chiefs wide receiver, like 
saw me and noticed me because I was trying to film something probably near him. And like he daffed me up and said, let's go or whatever. Um, Cause he recognized me. And that That's is awesome. like a pretty cool moment um, that I won't forget because it was like just surreal to be like my first away team atmosphere and like all the Texas fans are like booing and like, you know, you hear the boos when the team comes out and then to just have him like notice me and just like quick handshake and go on to this thing. I was like, Oh, like I might, it might feel like you're, it's like, it's, it felt like us versus everyone else. Basically yeah, like I was part sure. of the team. Um, and I'm pretty sure we won that game. So that was, that was a dope moment for sure. Um, and then non NFL moment. So is this a LIFA moment basically? More or less, or yeah. a non-NFL yeah. or LIFA moment. No, the intent was for it to be let it fly. Okay. Um, um, it doesn't technically have to be, but that, yeah. was, that was the goal. Gotcha. Uh, favorite let it fly moment? <sighs> hmm. Oh, you can you can also choose a parade if you want, because I know that was a big yeah. project for you guys. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to choose a parade, even though the parade was dope. Um, oh, I mean, this is an easy, clear answer, um, but couple of weeks ago at the PGA championship, yeah, we got to film yeah. that. And, uh, on the 18th green or the 18th hole, I was tasked with following Phil Mickelson on his last couple yeah. of holes. And I was on the Ronin and, you know, it's, it's a very large course and we basically just walked the entire course. Uh, once it got to the back nine and, um, once we got, once he teed off the 18th tee in my head, I was like, okay, I could either walk with him and like, just tough it up and walk it out, which it was a super long hole, or I could <clears> jump into my golf cart and like drive around to the green and meet him there. Um, in that moment, I was like, you know what? It's the last hole. I'll just walk it and I'll just find my cart after it afterwards. So I get inside the ropes because I had access and I start <clears> following him as he's walking towards um, his second shot. And I notice some of the fans trying to like run up to the rope and just, you know, cheer for Phil and like try to get Phil's attention and whatever. And I was like, all right, that's, that's pretty standard. Like, of course they're going to, you know, try to run up to the ropes and yell mm. Phil, but then, and I'm going under the rope to get closer to Phil. So I had the, you know, access, the media access to get inside the ropes. And then I noticed there's like one or two fans like around me and like running towards Phil. And I turn around and I realized like fans are jumping the rope or like yeah. going under the rope and starting to get on to like the, the actual fairway. And I was like, oh my goodness, is this about to like, it was, it was small at first. It was like a snowball effect, but mm. all of a sudden there was just a wave of fans behind, um, behind us trying to get to Phil and I push my way up and I'm basically right next to Phil at this moment. And it was just mass chaos. All the fans 
storming the fairway, trying to get, you know, as close as they could. Security ran onto the fairway to try to form a human rope, and they were trying to hold back thousands of fans. I'm trying to get through. Um, you know, I'm in my head, I'm like, I'm definitely not supposed to be this far, like this close next to Phil, but I have no other, yeah. I have no yeah. other place to go. So I just had to stand next mm-hmm. to Phil. I'm like, I mean, this is like mass chaos. I'm just going to get the shot at this point. Um, get which is shot. the name of the podcast. Yeah. And basically walked with Phil all the way into the green and just filmed him as he, you know, finished his last couple of shots and won the PJ championship like that is absolutely the most wild shooting moment I've had over the Super Bowl over anything else. And, um, and it was definitely the scariest moment of my shooting mm-hmm. career. Cause I was like having to push and claw my way through like fans who are rowdy yeah. and trying to push their way to, but like, yeah. I also have a camera in my hand and I'm like, this Ronin's not going to survive if it keeps taking more hits like this. But that, yeah. that was absolutely, absolutely wild. Yeah. I can't, I can't even imagine. I remember your shot. Like I saw your shot, obviously, and let it fly and stuff like that. But I also remember the shot of like all the fans, like can't even imagine. So I can imagine that was incredible. And that's another moment people are going to remember that, um, that Phil tournament performance. So yep. good answers. Yep. Um, but yeah, thank you for those questions. Um, last couple of things. Uh, can you list out your three top, I guess, inspirations, but just three people on social media that people listening should look up or follow. So, um, any content creators that you think people yeah, need to know about? Yeah, this is tough. This is tough to get it to three. Um, First one I'll do is Angela Robledo. Um, I don't have her hand on me right now. She's the lead producer for the Dolphins. She's that Stanford boss I mentioned. She's the most incredible storyteller I've worked with um, and just can't sing enough her, of her praises. So if you want good storytelling, great, great, just solid video work at the end of the day, that's one. Um, I'll go with Brevin from the from the Rams. He's, uh, his, I believe he's the lead photographer now. Um, Great guy for the Rams, does incredible photo work. You probably saw his photos of um, their new jerseys. Great guy. Um, this is tough to narrow it down to one more. Um, it's a tough one. You give me a tough <laughs> question. Uh, um, I mean, Diego's already been on the podcast. He's yeah, something that came to but. I'm going to add in a rule that it can't be someone who's been on the podcast. Yeah. 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 Cause there's been a, there's been a laundry list like Brendan, yep. Susie, like everyone. Um, sorry. I'm really, I'm really trying to, I'll go with, um, I'll go with Khalil Smith. He's with the, he's with the Niners. He was with the Phillies previously. Um, just getting to see his work is, um, Cause you know, I'm digging around the Niners folder structure. I'm seeing all the stuff he's done. It's incredible, incredible stuff. So I will say Khalil Smith. Nice. That's awesome. Um, yeah, definitely a lot of great talented people out there and heck, I don't think I've even heard of those three names. Um, so I need to make sure to follow them as well. Um, and then last thing, your social media handles for people listening to follow on Instagram and Twitter, as well as, um, 
after you plug yourself, one last piece of advice for those who are listening right now who are still trying to search for their next job or opportunity or about to graduate high school or college or whatever and just kind of in that, you know, place that you were a couple months ago. Um, one last piece of advice for them. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's Kev.Edwards on Instagram and it's Keddy44 on Twitter. Um, it's going to be a lot of, a lot of sports, sports memes I like on Twitter. So I'm not sure you want to follow me, but if you do, um, last piece of advice, um, I'll go twofold. Um, the first one I would give is there's literally always sports to shoot and opportunities. Um, you're never too good to shoot anything. Uh, I have shot everything from rowing at 5 a.m. in the morning to fencing to you shot Quidditch to doesn't matter the level. You could be shooting your brother's middle school football game. There's always opportunities to get better, to show how good you are to improve. Um, so you're never too good for any opportunity and just, you know, keep that mindset and it'll take you far. And, um, we talked about it a lot. Just don't compare your journey to others. You know, you're on your own journey. Don't compare yourself to others. Um, just follow your own internal compass. As long as you know, you're working hard, you're doing good work. Um, just believe in yourself because it's, it's really easy to, to doubt yourself, to compare yourself, but just believe in yourself and, uh, enjoy your journey. Yo, and that is straight facts from the man, Kevin himself. Shout out to Kevin for being on the podcast. And thank you to those who called in and asked questions. Thank you to everybody else who tuned in. Thank you for tuning in. If you've gotten this far, please, please share this to your IG stories and tag me and Kevin so we can spread the good word about getting the shot. But until then, other than that, I've got nothing else. It's time to enjoy. Other than that, go out there, go create, get the shot, and I'll catch y'all on the next one. Deuces.